I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. The podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode where we watched the directorial debut of Michael Sarnoski, Pig, starring Nicolas Cage, now playing in theaters everywhere. Uh, that's right, Matthew watched Pig this week, <laughs> and I watched some Black Shadows uh, talk about pigs. This episode it was intended to be mostly about Pig, but because of Mitchell had a, let's say, less than ideal theater less than savory savory movie going experience uh mostly this conversation is about just our experience at the movies and kind of the state of movies and access to um kind of culture and art right now Um, but i think it's a good conversation right mitchell i think it's i think i dare dare say it's it's a little bit more fun a little bit more grab a coffee with a friend yes than even our normal like review style conversations yes. about movies. So I, I'm a fan of this episode despite my frustrations with my Yes, and towards the end of the episode, we do talk in depth about Pig. So we hope you will join us. If you haven't seen Pig, this is, this is I say this every week. If you haven't seen the movie, you know, join us for the conversation. But I really mean that this week because one of us didn't really see the movie. Um, but let's go ahead and get into our conversation already in progress. Let's jump in, sleepyheads. So, Mitchell. Uh, Brother. This week's episode is supposed to be the new Nicolas Cage movie, Pig, now playing in theaters. Indeed it was. And you and I both went to screenings of the movie Pig. In theaters. In in theaters, not at the same time. Um, But we maybe he ran into some difficulties so do you want to set this up for the audience and then we will i think have an actual conversation about pig but do you want to set this up for everyone my disappointment is immeasurable and my day was ruined (laughs) to quote a popular meme this is my first return my my victorious return this is really your first movie in a theater since covid oh my god and now it's going to be my last because of the Delta variant, from what I hear. I, I get on Twitter every day. It's like, I'm vaccinated, and I only live in my house, and I got it. You're going to get it, too. So I'm prepping for that. So my triumphant return to theaters was uh, my hopes were dashed, frankly. I tried to go see this movie with you, first yep. of all. That, that, those were my first hopes being dashed. Yeah, but uh, we were ba- having batch a, of hopes after a week of being away, coming home to a plumbing emergency, a shower that would not turn off. So we had a plumber, oh, enter, plumber in our house until eleven thirty last Saturday night. Right, and we were going to see the movie at nine. You let me know, not going to happen. So we we go out to this theater, this ritzy lounge chairs, give you food sort of setup. And uh, do you like the lounge chairs? Do you like the I don't like the, I don't I, like I don't care for them. I don't either. I, I, I don't I, like I don't like hearing people adjust throughout the movie. But, but like, you, eh, eh, eh. you know what I don't like about him? I Tell don't me. I don't like that you take a normal size theater and you're going to get about half as many seats in there. Maybe even less than half as many seats because of the loungers cuz they take so much up so much room. 
I have mm-hmm. been in like packed theaters with all the loungers, and it feels like nobody else is in there watching it with you. Well, that, yeah, that's the other thing. The way they build it, the we were the row we were in, you couldn't see that there was another row. No. Which I guess most people would like, but it no. kind of takes away from no, like the communal I experience. Be, I, like like at the Tower Theater, where you're sitting right next Tower to somebody. Tower is perfect, although also very dim screen. It, sometimes. They do have dim projectors sometimes, but well, we haven't gotten there. So, but it does not compare to yeah. my experience. Okay. So, so at you're in there theater, with the lounge. I'm not going to. Listen, I'm not going to put them on blast. Yeah, I, I don't name names. Yeah, but we go to this theater in the Sacramento region. See Pig at nine ten. On a Thursday night. Saturday night. Saturday night. <laughs> you guys can go back and do the math. Uh, and the trailers start, and they look fine, but they haven't quite taken the house like down all the way. You know why? You know when they do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't quite understand that because the trailer too should get you enticed to watch the movie. Well, and, I know. I agree, but I've also think we've entered into this uh, era in which you have reserved seating, so people, even though the showtime isn't at nine ten, people are showing up at nine thirty because they know it's twenty minutes of trailers, so they keep the lights on for those people. I'm just I'm realizing my yeah twenty percent of my graphic design aesthetic it comes from this Space Jam opening <laughs> sequence. It's some a, of these is, images. I got to tell you, it really are, holds up. Some of these images. And textures are yes. burned yes. in my brain. It, it that and color really and like up. color palettes, you know. Oh, fonts! My my god. So anyway, I'm in this theater trailer. Okay, trailers are fine, but it's a little. <laughs> you you could y'all understand the light show that is happening on your face right now. <laughs> I have Space Jam the original on in the background. I mean, <laughs> Ma- Matthew just saw the new one. And we were time out before we recorded. So that's why I'm watching the original in the background. I mean, it looks like there's a police car pulled up behind your computer just flashing its lights on you. Like, whatever I'm watching probably gave me an epilepsy warning. Yes, exactly. Beforehand. So I'm in this theater with my significant other and my significant other's brother. Important context. Previews look fine. House lights still down a little. I'm like, okay, but it's going to get better, you know? Previews go away after, like, a million production companies show their logos. It was a like, lot. Right. There was a lot on <laughs> Sarah was, like, grabbing my arm, like, <laughs> make them stop. So I'm like, okay, here we go. I am. I got, yeah, I got the popcorn. I got my icy, my trinity <laughs> of a cherry icy popcorn, peanut butter M&M's. Not peanut butter, peanut M&M's. I got it all. I'm on top of the world. And the movie starts, and I've seen the trailer to Pig, and I'd say 80% of the trailer of Pig happens in the first five or ten minutes 100%. of the actual movie, Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. I like when, it, when that too. happens. And one of the first shots in the movie, I think it might be the first shot, is um, him staying next to that smokestack on the river, Yeah, which is in the trailer. And the second I see that, I say, oh, God. <laughs> this is not gonna be good (laughs) my heart drops it is i it it is a silhouette of black on the screen i can barely tell that it's even that shot it is so dim a shot you've seen in the trailer of course i know the cut i know what the color editing should be the color correction the exit sign the red exit sign in the theater 
is you can see the the glow of it take up half the screen because the the screen is so dark, <laughs> so dim. And apparently, the yeah, so dim. And because I, apparently their exit signs are very bright, but I say this does not bode well. Instantly knowing that this projectionist, I don't know how it works. I don't know if that's a projectionist call or equipment or some setting, but this is the darkest, dimmest like can't begin to see or to like uh understand what i'm seeing on the screen experience i've ever had in a theater and instantly i'm like you know what fine kill all the theaters i'll just watch all my movies at home from now on because at least i know i'll be able to see them uh so darkest dimmest and i (laughs) am telling sarah we like we have to leave the theater but like so i mean it, it was as if like you're on your MacBook trying to watch a movie with the dimness all the way down because you're trying to conserve your battery. On it the, it was almost airplane. worse. It was almost worse because it like the the blacks specifically are so uh, washed out. Yeah. Like, like well, because it's a like, white screen. Right. It's like the exposure just being taken down on in Photoshop or something. But it's it's like you the only even hints of color you're getting is like. A, a like cool blue sh- hue on the darkness you know and so these shots are happening he's cooking food he's like doing the whistle to his pig and i'm like i know what this is supposed to look like and i know that it is supposed to be like indie film moody editing uh you know col- colorization whatever and I, it's so far from that that i'm i'm like i cannot tell what's happening so and I'm looking around the theater like it's not everyone else just up in arms uh, how, about how this. How many people were in the theater? Probably like twenty. Okay. Maybe maybe like fifteen. Okay. But to Sarah and her brother, I'm just like guys. I mean, this is this is well, we can't see anything, and they're like, yeah, it's kind of hard to see, and I'm like, right there, <laughs> I'm just having like, why <laughs> are you not enraged like me? That'd be losing my mind. You should be just as enraged. Because this is an injustice, and we pay twelve dollars American, and so I'm like, I, I either have to leave or go talk to the projectionist if there even is one, and so I I just go out talk to the manager, and he's like, Oh, are you talking about pig on screen two? <laughs> and I'm like, First of all, it's on screen two, which it's the furthest and smallest screen, the most yeah. forgotten screen in the theater. It, yeah, and I, and I'm like, Oh, so you you already know, dude? You already know what I'm gonna say? I'm like, Yeah. He's like, yeah, it's pretty dark, huh? I'm like, yeah, it's dark. I can't. <laughs> there's whole scenes going on. I don't. Is Nicolas Cage in this movie? Is there a pig in this movie? And he's like, yeah, you know, when we got it, we thought it was pretty dark too. I think it, but I think it's just supposed to be that way. And I, I just this is this, this is where the story is absurd to me. This this one, like, how how are you? Did you get this job, theater manager? <laughs> if you saw this and said and signed off on it and said it was okay, because. I went back in and, you know, me personally, I would have left right then. Yeah. Asked for a refund, try to see it somewhere else. Yeah. My party is much more uh, conflict averse. So we held out. And the rest of the time, you just see my silhouette in the theater throwing my hands up at like, <laughs> great. <laughs> Wish I could have seen that. He writes okay. his name on a wall at some point in the movie. I'm like, be cool to see what that says. Okay. So here's my question. So the first few, the first 10, 10 or so minutes, 15 minutes, he's in the woods with his pig. 
the truffle right. pig, and and it's just kind of laying down this foundation. He's this hermit, very very off the grid, right? And he's got a which you also gather from the trailer. Yeah, he's got a guy that comes in every week and buys truffles from him, and right. they're worth a lot of money. Right, and he's selling it in this kind of high end restaurant business. You know, in kind of the the restaurant scene in Portland, um, the the truffle pig gets kidnapped. That's the impetus of the movie, and then pretty quickly after that, Nick Cage is in a car in the daylight driving to Portland. Right. So, daylight scenes, Portland stuff. What did yeah, that look like? Yeah, I mean, like? so I can see I can see that stuff, but like a good example of what I'm losing just comparatively yeah. I was telling I was telling Sarah and her brother like you know the scene where he goes to the big bad restaurant guy yeah. and you know wants his pig back and the guy's like buy yourself another pig and yeah. he leaves the room yeah. like there's a moment in the trailer where that happened where I know it because of the trailer yeah where he's like where, standing up and is walking away from him buy yourself another pig right yeah there's like a red glow on his face from yeah. the room he's about to enter yeah and and Behind him and where Nick Cage is like bathed in is an icy blue, you know, and you get a great little in the trailer, just like it's subtle, but, you know, a nice little like this guy, evil, bad energy, the isolation and the ice in his veins uh, moment. And it's like it's stuff like that, that the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm assuming I'm missing out on of Mm. like, you know, lighting choices and and like i can gather the plot i mean the fight scene stuff was very confusing because there's there's not a lot of dialogue no in the movie no. and so when it's all being shown to you and you can't see it in those darker scenes it's or you you could guess you know and well so it's, the, it's, and it's it's a unique movie in that it's a quieter it's a quieter it's, movie anyway yeah. it does a really good job i think of what we talk about from time to time on this podcast of showing and not telling. And which I love, which, which I love. And the invitation in a movie like that is to kind of be being in this space of making inferences and connections and guesses in your mind as you're going along. And well, even, even the kidnap scene, which in the trailer, it just, you see him get hit by the door. Yeah. Like I'm, it that's one of the darkest scenes in the movie, and yeah. I know what's happening because of the trailer. But the whole time, I'm seeing him like move around and get hit, and then like try to look, you know. And I'm like, I I know there are plenty of details that m- maybe will inform the next, yeah. you know, half of the movie that I know I'm missing out on. Yeah, and it's it's such a um, you know, get the story going scene that it, it's just like. You know, it's the FOMO, the yeah. whole movie. Well, yes, because especially because you're, you know that there are things you're missing, and and what I loved about the movie is a lot of the subtleness of the filmmaking, right. and and how it's so, um, just gently crafted. I just felt really like somebody, somebody cared about every composition every movement of the camera and like that's the thing i could tell it was beautiful yeah and and that's why i'm like no i like i am if you if you're missing out on the visuals you're missing out on so much of what makes a movie a movie and 
and we've talked about this before, but movies are not just plots. As as much as what seems to be popular in our culture right now right. would indicate otherwise, that the right. the like the way that we consume you know, streaming television, that it all drops on one day, so you can basically consume a 13-hour plot over a weekend. Um, well, I go to the movie not for that. I go to a movie theater because I want every single thing that's happening to... Every choice. Every choice, whether I'm conscious of it or not, to draw me into an experience and cause me Let to... Let it wash over you. Yeah. And, and, you know, what, like a tell uh, of just like a glimpse into the entirety of the experience was early on when uh, the friend to Nick Cage asked him, like, man, do you need medical attention? Because mm. he was just beaten. And the three of us all were like, we didn't know he was bleeding. Oh, that's hilarious. So it's like, yeah, you know, at that point, you're very much missing on. Yeah, no. So it's it's not visual. It's, yeah, cues. it's not the it's not just the subtle things that you're missing. You are missing huge, huge pieces of visual information. It's visual information. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. And so yeah, so I I was very just gutted that you know kind of the build up to going back to the theaters and. And what's tough about Pig is that it's so uh, such a small release. Yeah, yeah. And so back, you know, we were in Sacramento for the weekend. We're back in Reading. I can't find it showing anywhere because I'm. I just want to go back and see it for real. You know, it's crazy. So, so I had the experience. I saw it the next night, and you had texted after your plumbing was fixed. After the plumbing was fixed, and you had sent me a text message, that, you know, Sunday morning or whatever. Like, don't see it at this theater. And I was like, what happened? And and you said it was so dark. I was like, all right. So, I mean, you said that there were whole, what you said to me was, it felt like there were whole scenes that I am missing um, from, or, or couldn't understand. There were entire scenes that you couldn't visually understand. Right. And, sorry, everybody's going to hear this, but there's just a helicopter that's been flying around my neighborhood for the last half hour. But, um, there, so you said there were whole scenes that you couldn't understand. And when I went in and I saw the movie and it was me and three other people at a 1030 showing on a Sunday night and it started, it was crisp, clear, bright, beautiful. And I spent the entire movie asking myself this question, what scene, what scene could possibly have been so dark that Mitchell couldn't have understand, understood what was happening? Because... Because I'm just thinking, oh, you said it was dim. I'm like, okay, it's a little dim. You could you know, figure it out. But, but you, what you're describing is a huge technical problem. This is Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, theater manager's gaslighting me at this point. It's like, dude, no. This is, like, I, I was just so shocked that more people didn't just leave. I can't or, believe people would sit through a 90-minute a movie yeah. like that. I mean, you That's, did. I, but. Have, I have well, t- multiple times I was saying, I'm going to go... To Barnes and Noble next door, because me staying here is like saying this is okay, yeah, and this is an injustice. Now, did you complain afterwards? Yes. Yeah. A ton. Uh, yeah. To to Wait, the what? theater. Oh no. Oh, you didn't complain to the theater. No, I just complained to my party, much to their chagrin. Yeah. Even though they were like, "Yeah, it was pretty bad." I'm like, "I that's what I was trying to say the whole time." 
Let's get out of here. Let's get a refund. It, it, it's that's crazy to me. It, it's uh, it, it made me sad because, like, it, you know, it's not hard to um, see why people are more and more just over theaters. You know, not to say that that's happening a lot, but if that well, happens a couple of times, you're but, like, dude, I'm. Why would I? Well, it's crazy to me because I saw a movie, you know, two weeks ago now. Um, I saw Black Widow in theaters, and and I don't want to say this is the movie theater's fault, but the power went out in the building during the climax <laughs> of the movie, and they're like, it got really dead. <laughs> well, they're you know their emergency lights kicked on or whatever, and it took them about ten minutes to get everything back on. There, I mean, maybe it was the theater's fault. There was no blackouts in the area, so maybe they tripped a breaker or something. That you know, whatever. But um, they they get the movie going again. But then they can't figure out how to get the audio going for another fifteen minutes, and so there oh, was wow. there was a solid, and they had rewound it a little bit. But they were bit. choosing to like play the. They movie were just the choosing to play it, so they had rewound it a little bit. But there's like eight or nine minutes of that movie that I watched completely silent, and not just any nine minutes of the movie. I watched nine minutes of the climax of Black Widow in complete silence. Oh my god! Now, it, it wasn't in complete silence because the 30 junior hires that were there for a birthday party decided to um, uh, improv their way through the dialogue of, of the silence, which was driving me absolutely crazy. But, First of all, improv from anybody you know I love. But improv <laughs> from junior hires, that's S tier. Oh my god, that's as good as it gets. Yeah. They it took them fifteen minutes to get the audio back on, and I have no idea why. I again, I don't know how that works up in a booth. Right. But it seems to me clearly there was a problem because it the audio was not working, and I know all this stuff is digital. Just pause the movie. But yeah, I don't know, like what you chalk that up to. Maybe a year out of rhythm from COVID, but. I mean, that's what it yeah. felt like. I mean, you know, one of the managers of the theater came in and everyone in the... And, and it was a pretty packed auditorium. It was like a Friday afternoon matinee. It's a huge movie. And it's it was Black Widow opening day. I mean, there was probably 60, 70 people in the theater and they gave out free passes to everybody in the room. And the guy walked around and what he said to me, I was one of the last people to get one. I was in the back row. Um, what he said to me when he handed me the pass, he said, hey, come back see this how it's meant to be seen and i'm like <laughs> at home on disney plus i think is the answer right, right? <laughs> i because i'm like I, I missed look i missed seven minutes of the audio of the movie i'm not coming back to a to theater yeah. to i'm watch. not using this pass for that no i'm I, I i ended up using the pass to take enoch to see space jam 2 um there you go <laughs> and but so i saw space jam 2 in a theater this week and I didn't need to. It was on HBO, but we're doing this summer reading challenge with Enoch. He reads every five books. He gets a special thing. He hit 30 books or whatever. So 30, dollars, 30 books was go to the movies. And it was basically something I could handle seeing. Um, right. And, and he had this moment kind of at the beginning of the movie where he looked up at the back wall and he could see the light coming through the projector booth. And mm-hmm. he was just lit up with excitement about this because I could see right. this seven-year-old I, figuring out how this is working and where this movie is coming from. And yeah, that was like, really cool to me. Like, why is it special as a kid to know, like, someone's up there and they're, like, doing something to make this happen, you know? And, and this is because this, to me, is why, like, 
This is why movies are so special and so magical because all a movie is, is a series of still images being shown with a light on a wall. That's all it is. Right. But there is something, I mean, something so simple about this medium and, but it translates into just, uh, you know, endless possibilities of a spectacle and, you know, and, and to watch my seven year old, like experience that and grasp that is something we can't do in the living room. And that was really cool. Um, yeah, but you know, yeah, there's, it's, um, like I, I, I'm jumping the gun on our segments a little bit, but I, I started watching Silence this week. Yeah. And I I felt myself not taking it as seriously because I just started it on my laptop and yeah. then Sarah was watching something on the TV. I had my headphones on and I could see like my Twitter tabs next to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would go full screen or whatever, but it's like, oh man, like ritual actually matters a ton Yeah, for how I contextualize an experience. Yeah. And so if I'm watching silence and seeing, you know, these people be tortured or, you know, I, I watched first hour or so like it, it, I have to imagine it's not hitting me as hard as if I'm like, I'm driving to go to a theater to like sit down and give all my attention towards it. Yeah. You know, for two hours, yeah. it's like, Oh, I'll put it on my laptop. Like it's, it's cheap. I mean, and, and silence was one where, I remember that movie coming out. I knew it was it was just this tiny little release, even though it was a Martin Scorsese movie. And I was I kind of I said to Megan, I was like, we need to see this this weekend because I think it's only going to play like one or two weekends in town. Right. And and I think that was it. It maybe played for two weeks, and we saw it in a theater like on a Friday night for three hours or whatever. And and it was such a like real transcendent, intense experience. Right. Right that I can't, I mean, I haven't watched it since I, I own it on digital. Like I've always wanted to go back and watch it, but I, I, it, it feels like I need to be in such a specific space and have like right. the perfect circumstance for me to be able to watch that. Right. Versus I'll watch an hour of it. Mm-hmm. Come back to it a couple of days later. It just, it's not, it's not, it's not meant for that. No, you know? no. And I mean, and the irony of that, of course, is like Scorsese goes on to make The Irishman and Netflix for Netflix. And I saw The Irishman in a theater and I'm glad I did because I don't think you've even watched it. Have you? Yeah, I've watched it. Oh, you watched it. Okay. But it took you a while, didn't it? We we started it like three times and it kept getting to that point of like, it's already 930, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, we watched it and I, I loved it. I know I'll never watch it again, but yeah. I loved it. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I, I'm glad I had to sit in a theater and not yeah, get up and it's, see it. it's it's not you know. having the choice to like, all right, pause. I'm gonna go do something. Yeah, we're just losing something. Yeah. So I know this episode is supposed to be about pig. It's mostly become an episode about our our experiences in the movie theaters, um, which I think is fine. I mean, this is this is so much to me about the conversation of movies right now and mm-hmm. is is this kind of thing right? right because because then and, and this is like kind of behind the curtain for the audience so we had a conversation early in the week where y- you had said okay we've both seen pig 
you said, I don't feel like I can quite have a full conversation about it just because of the frustration and feeling like you miss stuff. And, and even I feel and, like I haven't really seen it. Yeah, but I also feel like if you're in that space watching it and you're so frustrated or distracted, right. like you're not you start e- to project it onto the movie. Yeah. You know? um, so, so you're like, I've seen it, but I don't feel like I can have a conversation about it. Why don't we do Pig and I'll watch Black Widow. You've already seen it and we'll do Black Widow as a bonus th- thing. You were like, oh, Black Widow is kind of a standalone MCU movie, which is funny because we've talked about how you don't do the MCU. Mm. And I was like, great, great. So then you call me Friday night, last night, and you're like, Black Widow is not on Disney Plus for free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's not. I, I just assumed. <laughs> it's Thirty dollars, <laughs> uh, which is crazy because I saw it for eight bucks at a matinee at a movie right. theater, um, right. and and you're like, fine, well, I'm not watching Black Widow, like, and that's, that's <laughs> not that's not our. It's like I didn't want to watch it in the first place. It's like thirty bucks. It's like I keep coming up with L's at the movies. <laughs> well, but the crazy thing is like is like everything is so much more accessible, but also there is still seems to be. Uh, and uh, barriers and, and inaccessibility to it, right? Like, I, I, I feel like even more frustration. Yeah. Like, because you're you're lucky when it's a movie you're interested in that happens to be coming out on the service that you have. Yes. And it's for free. You know. Well, on the service for free, but it's what you are already paying for every month. Sh- sure, but like, there's not an additional buy-in. Yeah. Through the service that you yes pay for. Yes. You know, but even like the experience of. Like I've tweeted before of just my taste in movies is whatever's not on any streaming service. Yes, which is uh, brilliant. It's timeless. It's it's so consistent that like my watch list on Letterboxd, yeah, nobody has any of these movies. And if they do, it's like six bucks to rent or something. Yeah, I know. Which, you know, hey, renting a movie is great. But you're just like, you know, why am I paying for however many of these services? Well, and like, who do these services serve? I know. Well, and they're you know? all they're all basically loss leaders for the big giant corporations that own them. You know, I mean, like right. like the amount of money that they spend on on securing the rights to content, creating their own content, they're not turning a profit for it because they because movies are profitable when they play in theaters and they make a billion dollars. <laughs> right. They're not profitable when they're like quietly released on HBO Max on a Friday. Like right. like a no sudden move, and like Soderbergh is fine because they keep letting him make movies, but you know that's they're not they're not funding Soderbergh movies to make a lot of money. They're funding Soderbergh movies to you know up their brand or whatever, and so they could say that, but they don't care if anybody's watching them. I mean, they right. do, but you know. Well, that's what's painful about the age we're in, in terms of like because it, it applies to so many things outside of movies too, like like even home ownership or car ownership or uh you know like whether it's netflix or cable or whatever it is it's like man remember when you could own something yeah (laughs) like you could own a movie and that's your movie that you can put on and watch and not pay for it every time you do it because there's like uh what did we watch recently i think we paid for rushmore because we couldn't find our dvd of it yeah and I'm like, dude, I own this somewhere, you know? Yeah. And but and it's not streaming anywhere, of course. And I'm like, I've like the amount of times I've paid for this movie, and more and more I'm finding that to be the case where because DVDs are you know basically gone except for Criterion, 
Like I, I walked into a Barnes and Noble looking for the Criterion Sale recently. That, was it the one in Folsom? No, it wasn't. Oh gosh, we just named what what theater it could be. Um, no, it was in Reading, of course. I walk in looking because Criterion's doing their big fifty yeah. percent off through Barnes and Noble right now. And I go to the lady and I'm like, "Hey, where's the Blu-ray section?" She's like, "Blu-rays?" I'm like, "Yeah, like Criterion, the movies." She's like, "Movies?" Like, yeah, like how how are you? She's like, "No," she's like, "Nobody buys movies anymore." She did not. I, yeah. Oh my gosh. And I was like, "Well, then what am I standing right in front of you asking about that? <laughs> Who that's, am I then?" That's crazy. It'd be funny. I was like, "Oh." Okay, I'll go home then. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> well, but okay. So, basically, it's her way of saying, yeah, we don't carry Blu-rays yeah, here. And I was like, oh. What's crazy about it to me is that, like, I, you know, have access to or subscribe to streaming services. So, like, HBO Max is a good example. It's it's probably, like, my favorite. Um, me too. Pe- people bash it. I don't know I, why. I don't, I don't really know why. I mean, the HBO stuff is really good, but all the Warners, or the Warner Brothers li- library is really good. Um, I mean, together, it's unreal. Yeah. And, um, but we get that free through our AT&T phone service. So because I'm an AT&T user, I have HBO Max, I don't pay for it, whatever. But then the fact that I have HBO Max and I have access to like the TCM, Turner Classic Movies Library through that makes me say when, let's say, uh, a movie is here's an example of one that I was looking at today. So I'm, I'm reading East of Eden by John Steinbeck, John Steinbeck mm-hmm. this summer. And East of Eden is a movie that I've seen, but I haven't seen it since college. I loved it. It's a, it's a very, uh, it's a really good movie for a lot of reasons, but it's one of James Dean's three performances. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I believe it's the only one that he got to see in its entirety. Um, wow. because he died before his other two movies were even released and wow. really special movie, Elia Kazan, you know, famed director and James Dean East of Eden. And I know that's a Warner brothers movie and it's a TCM and it's, I've seen it on HBO max. And the whole reason you have HBO max is for the big Warner library. And you know what? I, I sure enough, I went to go check it out there on there today and it was inexplicably not on there and (laughs) it's not on any streaming service (laughs) no of course why would it be but 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 i have seen it on amazon prime i have seen it because because one of the things that i do i buy a lot of movies on digital through itunes or apple apple movies or whatever and they run like four four dollar sales every week so these 50 Mm -hmm. movies are four bucks this week so i like peruse them and I don't buy a movie every week, but hey, I'll just say, oh, I love this, or I haven't seen this, I want to add right. it. It's four bucks. It's basically, that's how much it would cost to rent. I'm just going to buy it. it. Yeah. I get to own it. I've seen East of Eden on there, and I chose not to spend my money on that because I knew it was always going to be in the HBO Max library, and right. then it wasn't. It wasn't. And there's no rhyme or reason. Like the, Exactly. Like when, when we're finally ready to see that movie that we know is on Netflix for the past three years. Yeah. It's gone. It's like, oh, are you looking? Here's a similar <laughs> thing. I'm like, dude, <laughs> movies aren't like that. <laughs> similar. <laughs> it's not like Seven Up and Sprite. <laughs> it's like, I'm wanting a very specific experience here. <laughs> oh, you're looking for Citizen Kane? Well, would you like to watch Joe Dirt <laughs> instead? Like, uh. there's, there's 
the producer's cousin was involved. It's like where? Sometimes when it's like you search, I'm like searching for let's say Matthew McConaughey, yeah, random actor, yeah, and they're like, no, but what about these other movies that have nothing to do with him? See, I love the, I love the uh, you search for. you know, a title of a thing, and it's not the first thing that's up there. <laughs> you search for something, and instead of giving you that thing, Netflix will give you 12 Netflix originals that have nothing to do but maybe have the same actor as the thing you were looking for. Like, I mean, it's like, okay, no, thank you. I'm not interested in any of this. Uh, <laughs> it's like you search No Country for Old Men, and it's like mm, our version of House Hunters. <laughs> It's like, bro, there's not even, like, a word that's similar. And they're like, huh? You sure? (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's crazy. And that's the thing. is Like, it just feels, it feels like the whole whole infrastructure should be such that everything is much easier to access. Right, right. And and I actually think the opposite is true. Yeah, it's like Blockbuster, at least back in the day, it, it it at least felt fair, like you know what they they they're out of the, or it's rented. Yeah, it's like hey, you know what? Or fair enough. or <laughs> that guy I, was here. Or you know what? This twelve hundred square foot blockbuster couldn't carry every movie of all time. Right, but you know what? Hey, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, but you know the six, seven, eight streaming services I have access to should <laughs> just about cover it. They're like, we have the biggest library of movies no one wants to watch. It's like, around Halloween, we'll make up a new email and get a Shutter free trial. Yeah. And it's like, we have Halloween 3, 4, and 5. Oh, you wanted one? <laughs> That's not on a streaming service, because we know people want that. I you know. <laughs> Is that good movies? Uh, no, oh thanks. my gosh largest collection of horror movies there it's like okay um rosemary's baby it's like well not that one <laughs> so today i was at the i was at our local library and they were having a book sale and i walked away with three blu-rays for five dollars i was very excited Whoa. about this but there was even that there was like this tension in me of like should i buy these things because I want my I want everything to just be digital now like and I don't like having like disparate you know collections of things see I'm the total opposite I I collect everything uh, like, I know in a bad way I know I, it, it's I mean I enjoy it but it's it's more and more obsolete by the day well so so this is the thing and this is this was a question I was gonna I was kind of prepared to ask you today it's something I was curious about is how do you because we've talked a lot about like the algorithms we've talked about the accessibility inaccessibility we're talking about different mediums physical digital how do you decide what you're going to watch when it's not an episode for the podcast you're going to sit down and watch a movie how do you decide i mean you have a watch list on letterboxd but um i don't really have a you know formulaic i don't either for choosing it's it's more than anything dependent on mood but that's the thing it's like uh, it's like reading a good book or a, or classic literature. Mm-hmm. It's like if, if you don't really have the like environment that supports a certain behavior, you're just never gonna do it. No, you know. No, like like every year I try to read Moby Dick yeah. around like winter because I picture like being cold yeah, and sure. you know whatever. 
and uh, every year I fail. I get I always get around seventy pages in, and that's when he starts doing his encyclopedia entries of like whaling terms for like a long time. Yeah. Um, and I'm a, a completionist, so I, I do so not you have skip. To start over every year. Yeah, start over, and I can't just like, why? Right, where does he stop talking about these terms? Yeah, you know, and skip ahead. But it's like in our house, and we're we're trying to figure this out. Like, how do we design the space to encourage certain behavior? Yeah. And that's, again, kind of going back, it's like, that's why I like going to a theater, is it is designed for me to be engrossed, you know, completely, like, pulled in. And so, like, I feel like lately especially, and part of what inspired the podcast, Movies While I Sleep, is the longer more difficult movies that you're never just in the mood for because who would be in the mood for those but they're important and they you know but but i also want to say get, you extract a lot of value from watching these movies but it, when you it's it's so rare that you and your spouse are in the mood for like you know like i've joked about a three-hour russian slog of yeah. going through hell it's like when do you get to do that then uh, but i would say because a lot of these a lot of this stuff is actually really enjoyable. It's the breaking through the barrier of starting. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's it's um it's like the wire or yeah. um you know succession. Some of these more difficult. Or even Mad Men. Even Mad Men. It's like by by just just a couple episodes in Twin Peaks. Even it's yes. like Twin Peaks is a rough pilot, but. If you give yourself over to it, it, it like does a work in you, you know, and you really feel like you're intellectually going to the gym almost. Yes. It's so refreshing and so engaging and so challenging compared to what you're used to, especially now, which is just doom scrolling about Delta variants. And- uh, you know, I, I find The Wire and Mad Men, Mad Men to be two of the funniest shows I've ever seen. Yes. Not because they're comedies. But because, like, you put the work in and the humor is just, like, is so present and also such relief. But that's part of what makes that, that, that thing really enjoyable because every bit of it works so well. Right. It's like every piece of it, there's so much depth to every exactly. part of it. Exactly. And, be, and it's intimidating and challenging just jumping into that. Yeah. Especially going off, like I said, from your normal instant hit of dopamine from social. One of the one of the things that I've found that it's been really helpful for me in terms of how to decide what I'm going to watch mm-hmm. is is uh, is actually buying things. So exactly, that's why I do yeah, it. Yeah, it's, so it's it is buying the Criterion Blu-rays, um, and it's but it's also buying movies on digital because when they sit there in my iTunes library. I, I, I understand the temptation to think, oh, I could watch it anytime it's sitting there. But part of me is like, oh, I spent four bucks on this. I should right. I should uh, uh, reap the benefit of that, um, of that expense and not yes. let it just sit there and go to waste, you know, whatever. Um, so, like, I got, because it's a Barnes & Noble Criterion sale right now, I got the before the Richard Linklater oh. before trilogy. Oh my gosh. Like, uh, you know, it's not like they're my favorite movies, but in terms of if you're going to get something during the Criterion sale, it's like, that is a must. It's so, uh, it's before, before sunrise, before sunset, before midnight. I had seen before sunrise before I hadn't seen the other two. And they're 
like relatively short movies, but there is a like a challenge to them in in some way because they're mm-hmm. not very plot heavy. The first one, the premise of the first one is this couple meets on a train in Vienna. He's an American. He's flying home that next morning, and mm-hmm. she's on her way to you know her home in Paris or whatever. And he convinces her to get off the train with him and walk around Vienna all night before he's got to board a flight. And they just walk around Vienna all night and talk and mm-hmm. fall in love. And then the movie ends. And I like I know that you kind of know that going into it. And that, that to me, that sounds like a difficult concept because mm-hmm. there's no action. There's no plot like it literally i mean th- there's a shot in the there's a shot early in the movie where they're on a bus they they get off the train they hop on a bus and they start asking like slightly more personal questions of each other mm-hmm. and it's just a single shot they're in the back of the bus that the camera doesn't move it doesn't cut away and they talk for eight eight nine minutes and then all of a sudden there's the bus stops and one of them says oh this is where we'll get off and I had this moment. I was like, "Oh, if they've been on a bus this whole time," because I was right. so. It was a real time bus ride. It was a real time bus ride, but I was so engrossed in this conversation <laughs> because yeah. the actors are absolutely amazing. The writing is dynamite, but like I, it, you know, I'm so drawn in, and like I said, I've seen before Sunrise before, but I put off seeing the next one because even though I had had the experience of watching the first one, thoroughly enjoyed it, found it wasn't that difficult. The next one still felt that way. <laughs> right. And But because I bought the trilogy on Blu-ray, I finished the first one. I popped the second one in. and You're like, let's go. And and it was, I mean, just like, I mean, it's so good. All three of those movies are it, insane. These are, in terms of watching back-to-back, oh, the yeah. most fun trilogy out there. Yeah, which is like... I say, I say top Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. Miss me with that basic, <laughs> oh, top three all time. Like in terms of like the experience, because it's literally taking place like actually yeah. ten years later for yeah. each one. Well, and it's uh, that's what's crazy is I agree. sort of binge them is actually pretty fun. Yeah, I think binging them is so great, and that's literally the opposite of how they were designed. <laughs> right to be right. consumed nine years apart. Uh, they they were designed in a different world, though. Oh my gosh, I mean, and but that's Linklater's whole thing is. And it's not everything like this is the guy who directed School of Rock. So, you know, he can do the kind of typical Hollywood stuff. And I love School of Rock. I think it's an awesome movie. Right. Um, but he also did Boyhood, you know, this filmed it in bits over 10 years watching this kid grow up. Um, right now he's doing an adaptation of Merrily We Roll Along where but they're going to film it over like the next 25 years. Um, <laughs> of course and then and then show the footage backwards, because I think the I think the musical, the age in reverse like it's them old at first and then they're thinking back to their younger selves um mm. and so he, he's gonna film it this way and then reverse it you know this guy this guy sounds like sounds like me uh <laughs> just no, no no i'll have a movie It'll be, it's 10 years now hold on hold on trust me I'm working on it. Yes, I am working on it. I <laughs> know. Uh, how does he get the funding for this stuff? I know. Literally, that's what I'm like. Okay, no. I still need my house. I still need to pay the bills. But this movie in 25 years, if I'm still alive. Oh. I know, I know. <laughs> He's like, look out. <laughs> that's, that's so funny to me. Um, but, 
you know, uh, anyways, my whole point in bringing up the Before Trilogy was they were sitting there. I bought it. They were sitting there. I watched all three of those movies over the course of a few days. And the only reason I did was because I I bought the thing. Um, And it's a beautiful box set. It is. It is really nice. Um, No, that's why I had, that's why I collected CDs back when CDs existed. Because you listened to like, Well, Spotify was like, like in college it was an option but it's like or why we buy records now it's like dude i bought this yeah you know it's not passive consumption yeah which is what feels like everything now yeah and it's funny so there's so much there's literal value that you say for that you like trade yeah i mean you do that with your time but it's pretty hard to like quantify how valuable your time is to yourself yeah i mean it's funny because you're like Gary V or something. Because I think if you, if you were to like unsubscribe from all the streaming services, right, mm-hmm. and you take that money, and say this is my monthly budget to buy movies, mm-hmm. I don't think you'd run out of stuff to watch, right? Like, and I think you'd actually watch. I think I think what you would watch would be more enjoyable and more valuable than right. wasting it on whatever. Right. And I mean, similar to TV shows, it's like, oh, I don't have to be worried about when Mad Men leaves Netflix. It's like, dude, I own Mad Men. Yeah. Exactly. Like, if I want to go through it, I can do that. Yeah. But I know it's it's like where I'm more and more trying, trying to peel back the screen experience and more and more feeling the poison of it, you know? Yes. And so... Yeah, dude, when you spend a half hour just looking for a movie to watch because nothing, ha- like, you just die a little oh, every Friday night. It kills me. It kills me. You know, there's this there's this um, uh, kind of theory uh, 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 that's been developed and talked about. I don't, I don't know how much of it's a theory or, like, actual brain science um, in terms of how the how we work and talking about something called deep work. And how oh, yes, I've heard of this. Um, and how the human brain ha- it, it does this kind of thing instinctually, where every time we face a barrier or an obstacle, um, we distract ourselves. We try to mm. we try to remove ourselves from the situation. And what that looks right. like in our modern workplaces is, hey, I'm writing this email and. I got through three sentences, but I'm not sure quite how to end it. Let me go check my Twitter <laughs> because the brain needs to escape out of it because we like get me out of here. It's, <laughs> it's like the easiest work that humans that have humans ever, had, have to ever do. had to do. Oh, okay, I can't do this. Any any sort of resistance, and the brain says, "Okay, okay, next thing." Uh, 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 you know, you know, whatever it is, let me read an article on a news site because we start to do that with, you know, the, we, we fool ourselves. It's like I'm doing ourselves. Um, and then you blame someone else at work for not like getting back to you. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and, and like, I find that too, like uh, I'll be at work and like, you know, there are definitely tasks and things that I do at work that are like setting up a room because I work at a church. Like I have to set up a room for an event or clean up a room the next night after youth group or whatever but i i really like look forward to that because i know okay i can put a podcast in for half an hour right and i i save the room cleanup for when i hit an email that i don't want to write (laughs) like or i'm struggling i mean it's but it's insane what we're doing right i know 
It oh, it's exact. I'll have a look due for like a conference. Yeah, and I'm like. I'm always like, I need more time for this. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I do like the environment that I work in is, is constant and like it, this is pretty normal in the design world where designers, um, deadlines never change, but the people who are getting info and like finalized language or even event titles to you, their deadlines are, you know, amorphous and, you know, can be like the day of, but you, you're still expected to have something. Yeah. But when you enter that deep work phase where I'm like, I have cut through and yes. I'm just going yes. and it's like, wow. <laughs> I know. If I could channel that. I know. It's crazy. You know, even just a little bit more. I know. I know. Like I say that deep work and you know what that looks like for you. In, oh, yeah. In the same way, I know what that looks like for me and I know what steps I need to take to make that happen. And... And, and there's plenty of time where it's just really hard to do that. It's so hard. Impossible. Because we've given ourselves the, the out and, in like 30 different ways. And we do that when we watch movies. As soon as there's something in a movie that's like, okay, I don't understand what's going on. And it's like, let me pick up my phone. Let me right. like check Twitter. Let me look at the Wikipedia entry for this movie. Let me play <laughs> no, <laughs> Because it would tell me, please. <laughs> I heard a guy say talking about watching movies with his seven-year-old, and the seven-year-old really likes to ask questions like, "Who's this? And why are they doing this? And what are they doing?" And he just started saying to his seven-year-old, "Hey, um, if the movie wants you to know, it's going to tell you." And right. I like, had the same information that you have, <laughs> <laughs> and and like that's like that's how, that's the exercise that we participate in when we watch a movie is if it wants right. you to know it's going to tell you and our brains have gotten to this point where we're like we can't ha- handle any sort of resistance which again back to this overarching point when you're in a movie theater you cannot do that stuff right i mean you you certainly could check wikipedia or play a game on your phone in a movie theater but you'd be a monster that kind of behavior is still socially pretty unacceptable <laughs> right and the good the-, the really good theaters kick you out uh, yeah yeah exactly uh, <laughs> so um, i mean i i've loved this you know deep dive yeah. into all things movie but people are here a little bit for pig me feeling like I can't speak on it at all. Do you want to just give us like your, you know, short Siskel and Ebert review? Yeah. Um, or or just like what you thought about in general? Yeah, I'll give my my kind of thoughts, and I'm gonna compare it to a movie that may surprise you, because um, I think, yeah, I really loved Pig. I thought it was just really. Um, I think I said just very gently crafted. Like this was a work. This was like real care went into this um, from all of the filmmakers, all of the like actors. Making a baguette. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, and and yeah, it, a salted baguette. It, it is one of my favorite things to watch. Like actors cook food in movies, and especially when they're playing like really good chefs. Mm-hmm. And it's just an enjoyable experience. And that's what the movie felt like to me. It was like this really sweetly well-crafted thing. And I think one of my big takeaways from the movie was um, that it was surprising, that it kind of um, came up against my expectations for the film. And, and and that is like my expectations in a lot of ways. I mean, it, partly it's the way that it's advertised. It's like the only right. thing you see in the promo, in the trailer, is like, 
the pig getting kidnapped and where's my pig you know right they played a little uh little little switcheroo yeah i mean and and i don't i don't think i was expecting some like knockdown drag out john wick with pig um so i wasn't totally surprised by the movie wasn't expecting mandy or anything no but i was still i was still surprised by how much it is just about existentialism it is just about grief and how mm-hmm. what what like is subtext in john wick you know grief and loss and that kind right. of thing is just the text of pig right Right. And and how they they don't try to they don't try to cover that they don't try to obscure that in any way, that's just what this movie that's what they set out to do is make a movie about these themes, and right. and they're very clear and overt about it, um, and so, it's it's not a very exciting movie it it's it's really a it's a sad movie, um, and and I, I'm I you know one of the major themes that I love is this kind of thing that comes to a head at the end of the movie when the big bad finally confesses that the pig is dead. Um, Mm -hmm. And Nicolas Cage's character like breaks down, like weeping about this, uh, uh, this realization. And, and it was so shocking to me in the, in the movie because I think what I'm used to in a movie in a reveal like that is like a character immediately going into like denial, like, or disbelief or you know i'm being played here that's not real you know and mm-hmm. he immediately just takes it as as true fact you know because like this the villain is a duplicitous character who has stolen his truffle pig what, what, right i am as an audience member who's watched a lot of movies i'm thinking is he lying about the pig being dead is he just saying this to get him out of his house and nick cage just breaks down weeping and then they have a conversation he has a conversation with the, his buyer later on and it's something like part of me wishes i had never tried to go look for him because then i wouldn't have found that he or she i wouldn't have found that she had died i found to found out that right. she had died and then in my head she could have always been living and this very like this kind of real wrestling with um how we deal with grief and right you know how do we confront it because because obviously the whole movie is uh the the foundation of his grief is i think his wife must have died 20 years before mm-hmm. and he moves out of portland he throws away his career becomes a secluded hermit totally disconnected and you know the pig has become a proxy for for that and the, i think his grief of losing the the animal is like him actually being able to deal with losing his wife. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, just real, I don't know. It it definitely feels like cliche at this point in culture to say, this is an amazing movie or TV show about grief because like everything is. (laughs) Uh, Right. But I don't know. I, I, this, this very particular aspect of it, this, this, um, this, how do we insulate ourselves from because that's what he does mm-hmm. he becomes a hermit right and he insulates himself away from relationships away from the world he's protecting himself from ever having to experience that grief of losing his wife again that's the mind game he's playing with himself of if i had never tried to find the pig 
I would never have known that. And he's again trying to build that wall to protect himself from grief. That's that's so much of the movie is And then the buyer says, But the pig would still be dead. Yes, but the pig would still be dead and he's like, But I wouldn't know. And 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 it, you know the question central here is isn't it is is it more important to just protect yourself from having to deal with the grief than the actual loss itself um yeah but but all of this i think this is the point maybe par- partly that you're going to make is what's also so fascinating about this movie is that the lead is nicolas cage <laughs> right like i think that from what i could gather like uh, uh, again, when he collapses, all I was thinking was, "This is probably a great moment," mm-hmm. but I can't experience it right now because of I can't even see it. But my, as you're explaining it, and just from what I saw the movie or heard, I should say, it's like there's there's kind of a cool trick of choosing this guy who's kind of wacky or known as more of a meme in a lot of ways, yeah. um, and you know, having the marketing seem like it's gonna be this, you know like you said, John Wick adjacent taken three with a pig. And then you take all that expectations and subvert it with a really thoughtful, really, you know, really unique meditation on grief right. and how we deal with it. Right. Like, I think it's, it's a, it's a cool trick to me. I agree. I, I, Cause you're, you're primed for one thing and it, it, when you're really like open and ready to see the craziness and then like, Here's like a still soft voice. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And because at any moment I'm kind of expecting him to do the Liam Neeson and Taken thing, right? Like go off the deep just end. Just go crazy. And he just doesn't. Like yeah. he, he makes a meal for the villain. <laughs> right. And Yeah, during that I was like, where is he? Oh, it's in the and, guy's house. And then when I realized that I was like, why was he okay with this? <laughs> I know. I know it's, him being in his house. Yeah, because he's a famous chef. I don't like. Well, and 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 that's a whole part of the movie we haven't talked about. The villain is the father of the young buyer that Nick Cage has a relationship with, and his wife is basically it seems to be in like a long term care facility, medically induced coma, um, you know, vegetative state, and has been for years. And so there's this in. extraordinary grief that parallels there and and like there's questions like the son is like he does this throughout the movie where he rehearses what he's about what he wants to say to someone before he's going into the room to say it um and he's standing outside of his mother's hospital room and he's like asking don't you ever want us to just pull the plug like and it's again it's i think it's that insulating yeah ourselves from or even practicing your response and yeah refusing to like just be in the room and feel yes yeah it, it's the constant let me abstract let me distance myself um and in the situation i mean and the you know his dad it seems has really thrown himself into his career and his things as a way to deal with his grief over the loss essentially of his wife um or even the restaurant owner that uh, yeah. Nick Cage. I was just gonna knew. say, it's like, oh, you're making food that is so above judgment because it's so complicated. Yeah, and, you know, people. Oh no, people like this, and but it's all like to help him get over the fact that he never got to open up his dream, which was like a pub. 
Right, right. To, to not pursue the thing you actually care about. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to build up this facade. Yeah. That's going to make me feel better about. It's literally smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Lifts the the thing. Yes. Yeah. Rosemary infused smoke or whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I think, I think what was so striking about pig was there's so much more to it than I was expecting. Um, and and yeah. and I I say that like too because I think this so this is a neon production neon um, studios um, and neon is building a reputation they did parasite um, similar to like a twenty four and mm-hmm. and I'm pretty like I like a lot of a twenty four movies I like a lot of neon movies but I'm a little uh, yeah I'm feeling yeah. I'm feeling I'm to me. I know people who are like, oh, shoot, the, the new A24 movie's coming out. I'm like, okay, well, let's right. see. Um, because I think a lot of these indie, a lot of this indie stuff that's coming out right now um, feels deeper than it actually is, feels more complex than it actually is. And the marketing's really good. Yeah, and the A24 brand or the Neon brand means a lot. I mean, the A24 brand in general of, like, having the A24 hat or socks or whatever. Yeah. It's like that almost feels like as important. Yes, and it feels unheard as of. As the quality of the movies, unheard of in like movie history, that there are people wanting to purchase. I got the new Paramount merch. Yeah, nobody was saying I. I just got myself the Touchstone Pictures uh, t- uh, polo or whatever. You know, like right. Um, but so A twenty four is a brand, but I don't. I think a lot of this stuff is not as complex, nuanced, layered as maybe uh, uh it feels or our expectations are because it's a24 like letterbox hipsters would make yes. you think yeah like film yeah. twitter or something you know and yeah. i mean um and i say all that like i think our i think next week's movie is a a24 movie so uh the green knight the green knight which we will get to um and I'm absolutely thrilled and excited about it. So, you know, yeah, no, I mean, for the most part, like I'm, I'm stoked. Like what I, here's what I appreciate about people like neon and a 24 is making original movies. Yeah. Like, even if they're not amazing, thank you. Yeah. And what the point I was making though, is that I think pig pig really does stand above a lot of the Mm -hmm. kind of current slate of, um, indie stuff. And, yeah. and I was really impressed by it. Um, yeah. It was a movie that was surprising in a lot of ways. I think earlier you and I, in prep for this podcast, and we're not going to really have this conversation, but we're talking about like unexpected performances and or star turns and how this is kind of a unique thing for Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think less that this is a unique thing for Nick Cage. I think... Yeah, I, like, I feel like in the internet conversation, the memes... People forget about the baller movies that guy's in. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> like, and and recently too. It's not like it's not like Matthew McConaughey when he had his like reconnaissance or yeah. whatever, where it's like all of a sudden he's just in great movies. It's like Nick Cage has just had this ebb and flow throughout no, his career. Nick, Nicholas like, Cage is just in six movies every year, and right. four or five of them are bad, and right. like one of them is great. You know. Um, 
But it's he also just says yes to everything. It, this is different to me than like Adam Stanler showing up and doing uncut gems or the Meyerowitz stories, doing his dramatic thing once every five years because Nick Cage is always he's not a comedian, right? Like he he'll do anything. This is the guy who started his career doing stuff like Raising Arizona, which is slapstick Cone Brothers, mm-hmm. but who also does adaptation and and like what he does in adaptation is crazy because he plays twin mm-hmm. brothers right. and they look identical but you always know which twin is which because of his presence and the way he holds himself like the guy is such a great actor um and so i don't i don't say this oh this is a really surprising thing for nick cage in fact i think this is kind of like weird nick cage like he gets to have crazy hair yeah he gets to have big beard he gets to be all bloodied and bruised for 90 percent of the movie Mm. like this is like okay this is weird nick cage i think it's hard to picture anyone different yes um so i think the movie itself is surprising and it reminded me actually a lot of uh, to be honest probably because of the mushrooms Actually, now that I think about it, it's <laughs> hilarious. Um, I, I thought about this earlier today, and now I'm just realizing how much they actually have in common. But Phantom Thread, um, mm. which is a movie that, like, on its surface seems to be about one thing. But then as the movie starts, starts pretty pretty immediately, I'm like, oh, this is not a movie. Right. This is not a movie about a dressmaker. Like, right. Phantom Thread. About his empire. Yeah. You know, oh, whatever. No. Like, you think he's going to go a little, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? There will be blood yeah, on yeah, you. Yeah, Daniel Plainview. Like, yeah, it, you think he's gonna get violent and you know, or all this even stuff. just kind of like a straight ahead. Like, this is the story, the the story of the life of, right? You right. know, uh, whatever, Mister Woodcock, um, the rise and fall. Yeah, and it's not that at all. And it becomes to 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 me like Phantom Thread becomes almost like an Alfred Hitchcock movie <laughs> halfway mm-hmm. through, and and there's so much tension and so much suspense and strange competing character motivations all in this crazy fiery controlling romance where he wants to control her and she wants to control him like that's what vertigo is that's mm-hmm. what hitchcock did so well and i remember not not being surprised at how good phantom thread was but being surprised at what the direction what yeah. the movie was and yeah. and that was how i felt watching pig i don't think pig is as good as phantom thread but i think pig yeah. is a great a great movie and if you could see it in a movie theater with a good projector go see it don't go to Folsom near Sacramento if you can help it but yeah I I could tell that it, it was it was good and from what I heard it sounded great um, and I'm I'm excited to see it for real someday yeah hopefully it gets on a streamy soon <laughs> Um, shall we what jump we into calling? segments? We're trying something yes. new with segments. What are we calling this? Is this still just segments? Damn grab, fine segments. Yeah, grab a cup of coffee. Enjoy. So we're grabbing a, a decaf, which is what I'm sipping on right now in my Olympics mug. And we're just settling in, enjoying okay. the late evening. This is, excuse me, a damn fine cup of segments. This is maybe our shortest uh, segment section ever, because uh, I'm going to ask you, Mitchell, what was your favorite shot? <laughs> I loved just the blackness. <laughs> just, just the dark. so funny. 
night of the soul um yeah it was beautiful i'll probably i'll pick one from the trailer yeah for the for the gram um i have a, a one that always kind of sticks out sticks out to me as i was thinking about it and and was such a unique thing in our conversation but um i love this shot of him and and the the villain's house has this like great like amber glow to it a lot mm-hmm. of like wood like dark wood furniture and then all the lighting's really warm uh, but there's this great shot of like Nick Cage just looking disgusting, like beard, blood, bruise, and like just clothes that haven't been laundered in months, preparing like this gourmet food and carrying it to the table of the villain. And the contrast to me is like just hilarious, but also so much about what the movie is. Mm-hmm. And which, and, and what really is like the unique hook of the movie is this fish out of water you know this crazy hermit guy coming back into this world that he has rejected because of his loss and sitting at a five-star restaurant table yeah yes and so this is him carrying this like perfectly plated portion of food um to the villain's table i'll I'll find it we'll put it on the instagram but i just i like the, the the way it plays with a lot of that stuff and the way that he is so shameless and has no no pretension about his appearance because he's so obsessed with his loss He's he's experienced some ego ego death. Yeah, absolutely. As, as they call it. Um, yeah. Uh, cool. You, I assume, don't have a letterbox review. Also, my letterbox review is, I hope to see it one day. Yeah, I gave it four to five stars. So I liked it a lot. I think it's really really good. Um, one of the better original movies I've seen in twenty twenty one. One of the better twenty twenty one releases I've seen. Yeah, that's the thing. How just i mean it gets three stars just on being an original movie yeah for sure um and our last segment is other stuff you've been watching i know we've been talking a lot about movies that we've been kind of skating around recently i know you've had space jam the original on for most of this conversation Um, but what have you been watching recently mitchell what (laughs) yeah it's so good it's the it's the (laughs) i know so crazy i love charles barkley in this movie so much oh my gosh i've I've had it paused on her for like an hour oh my gosh i'm at the psychic reading in the original space jam and maybe that'll be my favorite shot of pig oh my gosh her going i see aliens i see aliens and all these nba stars being like huh and looney tunes uh my um, my Enoch, my seven-year-old, says, Dad, what is this lady doing, and what is she looking into? <laughs> <laughs> it's like no context. But uh, what I watched this week, I actually have one. We watched uh, Shiva Baby mm. when we found out that Black Widow was 30 bucks. I love this. Um, which is, uh, you know, I don't I know very little about it. I, the, the main actress was, kind of, like, I knew from Twitter, Mm. As like kind of a Twitter star, like very deadpan jokes, yes. you know. Yeah. But now she's like all of a sudden in movies and TV shows. Yeah. Um, and then a couple other, like, like actors I've seen, but you know can't put a name to. But anyway, it's uh, at a shiva, which is after a funeral, yeah, basically. And it's it, the whole movie. It's only a, an hour and seventeen minutes, I oh, think. Man. Like Maybe it's I a short one. It. Yeah, and it's just an exercise in um, extreme family stress. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, 
and so, like the editing is really interesting the like the way they layer family members these like jewish family members talking over each other and kind of critiquing the char- the different people that are walking by and characters and stuff like the the layering of the conversations along with the the score yeah is very effective yeah. in the anxiety sarah's like on the edge of the like i need to stop watching this because uh you're just feeling it and it's funny it's it, it like i gave it a three and a half yeah on letterbox like, like it's solid a, yeah super solid yep want want to cr- crush an hour and a half go yep. for it where where, um, where did you watch that uh, I think it's on HBO Max. Oh, cool. it, of course. Great. A- every movie I watch is on HBO Max. Yeah, I know. Um, and then, I, like I said earlier in our conversation, I started Silence the first oh, hour or so. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? Dude, Adam Driver's in so many things. I know. He, he's so good. Like, it's crazy that a movie like Silence, because I can tell from an hour in, like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, that that mo- a movie like that can just, like, float on into the I know you know stratosphere and no one even thinks about it or talks about it I think it's a really underrated work of his um, but it's also so different it's such a different than what people think of as I mean Scorsese. even outside of Adam Driver like you know or you saying Scorsese I'm saying, saying the Scorsese of it all like, yeah yeah it just it's it's very good very intense yeah I um, can tell like it's like it like the first hour is hard yeah to watch some of it like you know it's three hours long i can't imagine what's going to happen but it's just crazy that it felt like it slipped through the cracks in a lot of ways yeah yeah it it was a real passion project for him um but i I think it's a really great work that's a good one um you got for me mostly i mean a lot of space jam this week but i also watched the before trilogy before uh, sunrise sunset and before midnight and i love those movies and it is again i said this earlier but even as i was getting ready to start the third one i have just a little bit of like okay i'm doing this again this is hard like this is gonna be hard it's gonna be mm. just a conversation for an hour and a half and it is such a delight like the writing is so good in these movies um i know but again, I just these central performances are what make it work. Th- these movies should not work as well as they do. Um, right. And the first one should not work as well as it does. But the fact that they return to it nine years later and nine years again should not work as well as it does. And it is astounding. Um, it is a delight. Yeah. So I love the love the before trilogy. If you haven't seen them, check it out. They're they're all short. They're all basically ninety minutes or under, um, which is really nice. Um, and yeah just super enjoyable to be young again and old again and middle-aged again uh <laughs> yeah no it's yeah, yeah those are good super good um so we teased this earlier but mitchell next week what are we watching we're gonna we're gonna try this again we're gonna give theaters another chance Yeah, because this is another theater release this is one of my most anticipated movies since the beginning of the pandemic because it originally was slated, it, like most movies coming out right now, last summer. I mean, this was like a spring 2020 release. And, and we're just now getting it. We're finally getting it. In the summer of 2021, The Green Knight, A24's latest offering. It looks baller. Oh, I can't wait. Again, they just crushed the marketing, and I get very excited for it. So uh, we will be watching that, potentially with a special guest. 
And yeah, it's coming out next Friday. So uh, if y'all can make it out to a theater, we highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, go see The Green Knight starring Dave, Dev Patel and uh, David Lowry is the director. And boy, I'll tell you, have you seen a picture of this guy, Mitchell? Uh, he looks he looks like he directed The Green Knight. Um, but he also... Dir- he looks like the CEO of A24. <laughs> yeah, he does look like the CEO of A24. Uh, but he also directed um, A Ghost Story. Um, oh, uh, I like that. Which I, I really liked. And um, The Old Man and the Gun, which I really liked. But also the Disney live-action remake of Pete's Dragon. So it's a really interesting career. Uh, <laughs> Eclectic guy. Yeah, he's doing a he's doing a live action remake of Peter Pan coming up. Like he's doing the Disney stuff. He's doing the Green Knight. Like good for him. He's uh, got it all. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. This and he's and boy does he have a mustache. Uh, <laughs> was, a little much. Yeah, a little, little um, much. So, anyways, we're gonna watch the Green Knight. Everyone, um, check it out. Enjoy it, and we'll be back. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram. You check out our favorite shots. Or at least mine from Pig. <laughs> mine will just be a black square. Yeah. Um, and, you know, after a long conversation, give movie theaters a chance, everyone. Give yourself over to the ritual. Yes. Rituals are important. Yes. Anyway, leave us a review. Leave us a rating. We love you. We appreciate it. And, um, yeah, hit us up in the DMs. Share some of your favorite shots. We want to hear from people. Yeah. We don't want the conversation to end with us on a Saturday night. Yeah, what movies are you looking forward to? That's what I want to know. What, what, what should we watch next, yeah, if not The Green Knight? Let us know. Let us know. We've got The Green Knight, and after that, I don't know what we're going to watch. And honestly, I don't know. You, you, might, you might decide. Hit us up at Movies While They Sleep on Instagram. Oh, look, we just got a we just got an Instagram follower. That's crazy. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> you don't think. Uh, all right, have a great week everyone. And good night y'all. Bye. Dude, <laughs> Conan was a genius. <laughs>